What's up, everybody? We are back. Another edition of College Football Gridiron on this November 17th of 2020, week 12 of the college football season as we take a look back at week 11 as well. Nick DeLuca here, Jimmy Sullivan, the other guy on my Zoom screen. Michigan digs itself an even bigger hole in a lost season as Jim Harbaugh's seat warms. And then into week 12, we'll talk about some Indiana, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Jimmy, first off, how are you? An eventful week in college football. I am great, particularly after what happened on Saturday with my Wisconsin Badgers winning, going away at the big house. Not something I admit I probably thought I'd see in my life, but good for them. They win big. And, yeah, I'm having a great week, Nick. How about you? Jimmy's ready to eat a W. Of course, (laughs) nobody can see this because we're doing the podcast here, but Jimmy puts the W up. I was waiting for him to get the fingers interlocked and eat it like Jameis Winston. He has yet to do that. So there he is. Jimmy's Jimmy's eating the W right now. (laughs) I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know if you are either, and you're risking cursing Wisconsin. So I just I want you to know that because Jameis was never the same after he ate that W. So Wisconsin may be in for some rough waters going forward now that Jimmy Sullivan has done that. But yeah, it's it's it was a good week of college football. I'm not going to lie to you. My mood has been a little bit rough the last couple of days because of what DeAndre Hopkins did to my Buffalo Bills. But look, it, it is what it is, and we're here to talk college football and I'm excited to do that with you so we mentioned off the jump Wisconsin and Michigan and that's where we'll start it was just really kind of a surreal experience watching it and I thought that you captured that sort of talking about it early but to watch Wisconsin who had had so many issues with COVID and just the uncertainty surrounding their program some of the injuries that they had to see them walk in and just drub Michigan at home the way that they did. Michigan looked outclassed in that game, totally outcoached. A couple of times where Wisconsin is just running the football and Michigan wants no part in tackling any of Wisconsin's ball carriers. I loved that Wisconsin toward the tail end of that game decided to let the fullback run loose and go for six carries, and I think it was 60 yards. Like, they were running fullback dives up and down the field, and Michigan couldn't (laughs) stop it. And this is toward the tail end of the game where it's just very apparent that Michigan didn't want to be there at the end of it. So I'm just sitting there watching that game and saying, this has got to be it for Harbaugh, right? This is just so bad. And it's such just not what you'd come to expect. We, we know what type of program that Wisconsin is, but to see Michigan get beat like that at home was just unbelievable. It was, and that is usually on Earth One, the type of game that gets coaches fired. Um, and who knows? I mean, we could see that at the end of the season anyway. And – You know, you look at Michigan in that game, and the thing that you alluded to is that everyone knows what Wisconsin does, right? No matter who the quarterback is, the running backs, offensive line, they're going to run the ball down your throat. And it is incumbent upon you to stop it. So when I was going into that game, and as a Wisconsin fan, I'll admit, you know, I was worried going into it because we've seen teams like Wisconsin get decimated by COVID, and Wisconsin's still missing a bunch of playmakers. 
it's not like this was full strength Wisconsin going out there. And I, I thought Badgers were going to be in for it because, you know, guys were still kind of coming back. Maybe they're not going to be at 100% even if they do play. And they came in there. It was unbelievable. I mean, they, they were down to the third, fourth string running back with Jalen Berger, and he was really impressive. He had a lot of room to run. And, you know, Wisconsin winds up running for over 300 yards. And I think the word that you used was really apt, which was surreal. Because Wisconsin gets it, goes down, scores a touchdown. I'm like, okay, great. Um, and Michigan offensively had no answer. Let me just say, Joe Milton was awful in that game on Saturday. He Terrible. threw I'll, – I'll read you the numbers. 9-19 for 98 yards, two picks. It doesn't really capture it. He threw his second interception. His first one was into a tight window. It wasn't quite his fault. Part of it was on the receiver because it went off his hands. The second one, he threw it right to Nick Chanel, the Wisconsin linebacker, and I was actually worried he was going to drop it because he was so wide open. Like, he literally <laughs> checked it down to a defender. He, he never saw him. And he made a similar play against Indiana where he was throwing to the other side of the field and he hit a defensive back for Indiana like, right in the numbers that he just never saw. And then Michigan goes in the second half. By this point, the game's over. I think it was like 35-3 or something by that point. They put in Cade McNamara, and he has a great drive. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they go in that direction for the rest of the season. But they were so unprepared to play that game. Like, it reminded me of when Brady Hoke was there. That's how bad it was, where they just had no chance going into it. And they look – I don't know how you feel. They look kind of checked out. Like, they just – I don't know what it is, but they, they have turned it off, and they're just kind of coasting along now. And when that happens, you get a result like that against an injury and COVID-riddled team, and you wind up losing 49-11. to 11. And it's a reflection of your head coach, but it's obvious to me that they've checked out because of the way that Wisconsin ran the football. They just didn't want any, any part of it. And 51 carries for 341 yards and five touchdowns, as gaudy as those numbers sound, I don't think that that does it justice because it's the way in which they gained the 341 yards. There were a number of times, a couple of touchdowns, where you're talking about a walk-in score from 15 yards out they're not even touching the running back it's not like oh this is just a team that has a be is better than us that has better players and I think Wisconsin is but it's not about okay well we've just got bigger offensive linemen than your defensive line and we're overpowering you and our running back is running over your linebackers to score touchdowns the, the guys are just making business decisions out there that's what is happening in Michigan right now and when that happens it just it sends a bad message. It communicates that your players have checked out and that your head coach has lost the locker room. And when that happens, it doesn't tend to the head coach stays a lot longer. And I know that Jim Harbaugh has probably as much credibility as anyone walking into that job. And he has not been terrible. I think that he has fallen short of expectations, but by no means has Michigan by been bad during his tenure. But this is as bad as it gets. 
the biggest indictment that anyone can put on Michigan is for you to say, Jimmy, this looks like what it looked like when Brady Hoke was there. And, and you're right, because that game wasn't even competitive and the players out there didn't want to play. And that's, that's the reality of it. To give up 341 rushing yards is just unbelievable. You know, we, we were talking before the show, and I was saying I like Graham Mertz, and I think that Wisconsin has another dimension to their offense now. And this is a team that can compete going forward in this Big Ten because I think they're just they, – they've finally found something offensively that can – maybe get them toward that college football playoff conversation. But Grant Mertz didn't have to do anything against Michigan. Absolutely nothing. Because they, they just said, we know Michigan doesn't want to play, so we're just going to run whatever we want to run. So it's, it's just disappointing to see because you, you felt confident. You know, college football is better when Michigan's better. And – you felt confident that it might become a rivalry again. I'm talking Michigan, Ohio State, and the Big Ten, and, and you get some good games there. And ever since that fourth down in Jim Harbaugh's first year, Michigan hasn't been close. And that's just really disappointing for them. And now to see how far this thing has fallen in year six for Harbaugh is just – it's pretty remarkable. And it, it, it really comes back to me for a, a few things. One, again, that it just doesn't seem like that team is interested in playing, but the quarterback play that they have is just brutal. And Joe Milton, as you rightly pointed out, would the linebacker drop the ball because he was so wide open? It's like, Joe, dude, you're, you're wearing blue tonight. You're not wearing the road whites. I mean, come on. Like, what, what are you looking at there? It's, it, it's, you, you couldn't have hit him in stride better. The, this, it's just some of the mistakes that you're watching Michigan make, and, and it's just, it's littered everywhere. It's just, it's frustrating to watch. I'm not a Michigan fan. I don't pretend to root for Michigan or even necessarily want them to do well, but I root against bad football, and that's what Michigan is right now. They're bad football. Certainly are. Let me just amend something I said before. I referenced someone by the name of Nick Chanel. I meant to say Leo Chanel, so that's my fault. But uh, Wisconsin's leading rusher on Saturday night was Jalen Berger. And I've been checking to make sure. I don't even think he was dressed for the Illinois game a couple of weeks back. And you referenced Michigan checking out. And it got to the point, Akia Watson, who was the backup running back for Wisconsin the other night, had a walk-in touchdown. I don't remember if it was the third touchdown or the fourth touchdown that Michigan scored, uh, that Wisconsin scored. You know, frankly, there were a lot. So I, I'm crossing <laughs> my wires track. a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> but he it was a 10-yard run he ran up the middle and I don't even know if he had crossed the line of scrimmage and Graham Mertz had his hand in the air because he knew he was going to walk in untouched like that's how easy it was like it wasn't you know not to take away from Wisconsin because they just physically thumped Michigan and they deserve a lot of credit for it but the game plan was not this you know innovative galaxy brain type thing that we've never seen before it was, you know, halfback dive, run up the middle, occasional jet sweep, and incorporate a little play action. It was not, you know, it was the exact same thing we've seen from Wisconsin for five years. And Michigan sat there and acted like they had never seen it before. And the, the problem with Michigan is you brought in Jim Harbaugh thinking you're going to play with the big boys in the Big Ten. And that usually entails beating three teams. Now, this is not necessarily true this year, but over the last five years, I would say like the three teams you really need to beat as a Michigan head coach, Ohio State, Michigan State, and I'll throw Wisconsin in there just because they're good in the Big Ten. They've played Michigan the last few years. 
Harbaugh has not beaten Ohio State, and he's beaten Michigan State once, and now he's one and three against Wisconsin with back-to-back drubbings the last two years. That's that's not going to cut it. I mean, that's a combined what two and nine, two and ten, something like that. I mean, it's just not near good enough. And yeah, look, they've granted that there's been some close games that if they went the other way, you'd postulate differently, right? I think about the fourth down in Columbus. I think about the botched punt his first year against Michigan State that they wound up losing that game in stunning fashion. But at some point, like, it's just put up or shut up. And Jim Harbaugh hasn't put up. And I think in terms of keeping that job, he's going to be shut up come the end of the season. I'm with you there. And that's I'm glad you said that because I wanted to get into that just a little bit. We talked about this on the show last week and made it, I think, among the three of us, Jackson Heil was well on the show last week pretty clear that we felt like it was over for Jim Harbaugh, that time was up. Do you think now after this loss that anyone can sit up there and defend the job that Jim Harbaugh is done enough to say, maybe we should roll with him going forward. I think the majority of people would say, yes, it's time to move on. But I guess the best way to spin this in, in some sort of, interesting fashion is to say is there anyone who can sit up in a meeting at Michigan among the boosters with a straight face and say you know what I think that we can overcome this and that Jim Harbaugh should stay well if that person exists I'm not aware of them uh, <laughs> I just think I could see you know if, if he gets canned I could see uh, school of less renown sitting there and having a similar meeting like you're talking about. And somebody sits there and says, Hey, this guy was in the NFL. He was five yards away from winning the Super Bowl, which I think gets forgotten in this. And he went to, you know, multiple New Year's six games at Michigan, which he did. He didn't win them, but he, he went there. So um, at Michigan though, I have to imagine it's just so run out and, and the, the thing is, Michigan also, to an extent, has to decide what they want to be because, you know, Lloyd Carr was there and they were up there competing for national championships, but they were probably, I would say, a, a tier below, you know, the, the big boys in that sport at that time, the Miamis, the Florida States, the USC's. And now, I mean, I mean, this year they're bad. They're not a good football team this year. And Rutgers has a real shot against them this weekend, uh, which is, you know, really an indictment on Michigan. Also, some credit to Rutgers. But anyway, that's beside the point. Michigan under Jim Harbaugh has kind of oscillated between, well, they're, you know, they're definitely a tier below. You know, Clemson and Alabama have kind of run this sport for the last five years. Michigan is nowhere near that level. But to be, like, atop that tier two, I think, is a big deal. And Michigan hasn't really figured that out either. If anybody's on top of that, it's probably Ohio State. So, I, Michigan has to say, like, okay, can, can we legitimately compete to be the best team in the country? I don't think they can. So, I think they probably top out at our goal is to win the Big Ten and try to get into the playoff, if not a New Year's Six. And, you know, also, if you fire Jim Harbaugh, are you going out and spending big money when 
I know for a fact Michigan as a school has had multiple disruptions due to COVID. They're probably issuing some kind of refund to students. So I don't imagine they're in a great spot financially. You know, are you throwing big money at someone? And even if you are, I don't know who that is. But going back to your original question, I have a hard, hard time seeing that. Although I've been wrong and I've been surprised before, but I just think there's so much angst with how far they've fallen short, particularly the last two years. I just don't see that happening. I just have a hard time with that. I think the one saving grace for him, as you mentioned and rightly pointed out, is the COVID situation. Because Michigan, you know, as many universities are across America, just in difficult financial peril right now. So is Michigan going to sit there and say, look, we've got a great opportunity to land a replacement while eating $12 million plus with the rest of Harbaugh's coaching staff, which is not cheap. There are some colleges that do not have extensive uh, budgets on their coaching staff. Michigan, not one of them. They'll pay their assistance too. So you're, you're just sitting there and saying, can I eat 15 to $20 million for a bunch of coaches to not coach and then bring in a quality coaching candidate? I don't know that that's true. But at the same time, we saw this at the tail end with, with Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco, and he had more success in the NFL, certainly uh, compared to what he's seen at Michigan right now. But it's just so difficult. You see the burnout. That's that type of personality that Jim Harbaugh is. And after a while, I think Michigan is proving it right now that maybe these players are done with him. They don't want to deal with him anymore. And especially when the results aren't there as they weren't towards the tail end again in San Francisco, it's just a difficult situation for Michigan And I think maybe a little bit more of a difficult decision than others may feel like just because of the finances. There's no doubt that in an ordinary season, Harbaugh would likely be out the door, but the the financial aspect of it makes it a little more complicated. I still do think that at the end of everything, Harbaugh is going to be done. You cannot lose Michigan, a proud football tradition. You cannot lose to Ohio state the way they are lose to Michigan state the way they have. And then, get drugged by Wisconsin and have your players go out there and act like they don't want to be there. That's, that's a a tough place to live. So let's move on to week 12. Again, staying in the big 10 with a big matchup. If you can call it that Ohio state undefeated takes on the undefeated Indiana Hoosiers. Indiana has been a bit of a surprise this year. They've reeled off a couple of big victories, beating Michigan state, Michigan Rutgers, Penn state in overtime. That was a big one to, to start. So Indiana has been pretty impressive this year with four of those conference wins, Ohio state. We knew what to expect with them. They are, guess what? Still very good. Justin Fields is a very good quarterback and they're a really talented team. That's well coached with Ryan day. The spread is 20 and a half the game at the horseshoe. Jimmy, how do you feel about this game? Does Indiana have any sort of a chance here? I'll give them a slight chance. And, you know, I think we should also mention, I did not have this in the betting pool as the first top 10 Big Ten matchup of the year. I didn't think it was going to be these two teams. That being said, uh, Indiana's really been solid. I think think they're overperforming, and I think that's pretty obvious. I think they're really well coached. Tom Allen deserves a ton of credit. They're in a really good spot. Michael Penix has been really solid. A lot of what they've been able to do, and I don't say this to denigrate them, there's something like 17 of 17 or 17 of 18 in terms of scoring off turnovers. So that's a big part of what they've done this season. 
And you, know, you look at their games, they beat Penn State on the two-point conversion in overtime, which was disputed. Um, and then they went, they beat Rutgers on the road. They beat Michigan. They beat Michigan State last week without even scoring in the second half. Uh, their defense is really good. The problem is there's so much to account for with this Ohio State offense, right? I mean, Justin Fields is incredible. I would contend the second-best quarterback in America. I mean, you have Teague coming out of the backfield for Ohio State. Uh, they're averaging over 500 yards a game. They're just so hard to stop. I think Indiana has a chance, but I, I think they would have to win the turnover margin by two or three, which is going to be very hard to do. Justin Fields is really good. He's really smart. Uh, I don't believe he's thrown an interception this year. I, I love Indiana. I think they're a great story. I just don't see it happening. I think that spread that you referenced of 20 and a half is about right. And I think that's going to be about what the final margin is. I would take Ohio State to win this game by about three touchdowns because I think they're just going to wear out this Indiana defense good as it's been. Oddly enough, this game and Indiana reminds me a little bit of Georgia, Alabama and what we saw at the beginning of this season. Not that anyone was holding Indiana with the regard that we held Georgia. Like I, I felt like we really looked at Georgia at the beginning of this year as a team that could compete for the college football playoff. They were a contender and have proven to be a bit of fool's gold with their quarterback situation. But Indiana's defense has played really well throughout this year, but they haven't played an offense like Ohio State in the same way that Georgia's defense leading into that game had been playing really well, but they hadn't seen offenses like Alabama or the way they saw Florida last week. So I just think that that's going to be too much of an adjustment for them. I agree with everything you're saying. I'm not going out on a huge limb here to pick Ohio State to beat Indiana at home with the spread being 20 and a half. I like what Indiana does, but I just don't know that they are explosive enough on offense. They have relied a ton on the defense, and that is great when you are playing some of the competition that they have played. Penn State has really struggled this year. No one loves Rutgers. Michigan, we just got done talking about how their head coach is about to get fired and Mel Tucker's in his first year at Michigan State, and they've been very up and down. So the resume is not terribly impressive for Indiana. Yes, you have to beat the teams that are on your schedule, and they have done that. But Ohio State is a different beast. They are so good. Justin Fields is so explosive. They are so well coached and with the game at home. I just don't know how I can envision Ohio State losing this game. And I like what Indiana has done, but just some of the, the things with them on offense to me don't seem to be conducive to them pulling off an upset like this. I think you need to be really good offensively and walk into a good defensive performance and then hope to get your upset that way, potentially towards the end of things or overtime they play sort of that reverse style of football where it makes it very difficult because one mistake and Ohio State can really exploit anything that you don't do well. That's tough when you're trying to pull off an upset and a 20 and a half point spread. I think, as you said, it's about right. I like Ohio State a lot to beat Indiana. That's no knock against Indiana. They have had a really good start to this season and have been really impressive compared to where you would have thought of them preseason but I don't give them much of, if any, shot to beat Ohio State. Ohio State is just that good. 
yeah, I mean, you're counting on Justin Fields to make mistakes, and he hasn't really made any mistakes this year. And that's that's a problem for for Indiana. And you look at them going forward, and the rest of their schedule is kind of interesting. So they've got, including this weekend, four games left. At Ohio State this weekend, we both think it's going to be a loss. They're home for Maryland. I think that's probably a win. And then uh, at Wisconsin on December 5th, that's, uh, I would say, up in the air. Yeah, that's, uh, they they could win that game. Uh, We'll see how Wisconsin is going into that. Uh, And then they're home against Purdue. So it's not out of the realm to see them go in the 4-0. So they would be 7-1 at the end of the season. And again, I, I hesitate this year to try to look far ahead because as we've seen, that's, that's a fool's errand. But I mean, I, I think they're going to end this year probably at least six and two. I mean, that's a really good year for Indiana football to go in an eight game season, six and two. And we'll see what the bowl game situation is, what bowl game they wind up going to. Uh, there's a couple of good teams in the big 10, so they may get blocked from the new year six, but Hey, I mean, this is, you know, Indiana is in the big noon window on Saturday. That's a win. <laughs> like it's, it's, that's a, Indiana football has had a low bar over the years. Uh, everybody follows that label of Indiana as they're a basketball school and so on and so forth. The job that Tom Allen has done, really impressive. That being said, Ohio State's going to beat them, and I think they're going to beat them pretty good. So give me the Buckeyes. Yeah, I, I second everything you just said, and, and – especially in the praise of Tom Allen, because what he has done at Indiana has been fantastic. I mean, this is not a school that, again, that we expect to be really in the conversation in the Big Ten almost at all, to be playing on Big Noon Saturday. And they are certainly doing both of those things. And a a lot of credit goes to their coaching staff and Tom Allen, because it's just, it's incredible the way they've turned sort of that program around. and, And to even be talking about, hey, we got to talk about them playing Ohio state is really impressive. This is usually a game we skip over. So, so credit to them for doing that. Let's move on to the big 12 matchup of the week, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state. Now, both of these teams have faded a bit in the college football playoff conversation, Oklahoma state with that big loss uh, to Texas a couple of weeks back that really, uh, dampen their hopes going forward of, of being in the, the conversation. Oklahoma was out early with some of their early season struggles. The spread on this game is Oklahoma minus seven. The game is being played in Norman. So this one I think is going to be really exciting. I'm, I'm excited to see this, the fast pace, the big 12 and all the offense that goes along with it. Spencer Rattler, that Oklahoma offense has really found a rhythm the last couple of weeks and have have really grown over the past couple after some early season struggles. And then Chuba Hubbard on the other side, a guy who we had perhaps Heisman Trophy expectations for, at least for him to be in the discussion about everything going there. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, who who you got, Jimmy? This is going to be a really exciting game. Haven't seen the over-under yet. I'm just going to take the over. Um, That being said, (laughs) Spencer Rattler finally is starting to look like an Oklahoma quarterback, not on the level of Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield or Jalen Hurts last year, but he finally seems to look comfortable out there. And yeah, you talked about uh, Hubbard and Oklahoma state a couple of weeks back lost to Texas. uh, And that probably dashed the big 12's title hopes 
uh, this year, Oklahoma State was the last holdout, the last uh, undefeated team that the Big 12 had in Oklahoma State against K-State last week. You know, they wound up losing – they wound up winning, I should say, 20 to 18. They had to stop a two-point conversion with two minutes to go to tie it. So that's that's how Oklahoma State's coming into this game. Uh, I think this will be a good game. I think it'll be tight. I like Oklahoma, though. Rattler has played well. Um, his numbers actually weren't that impressive against Kansas, but they won 62 to 7, so I, I'm more inclined to dismiss that. I like the way Rattler's playing. Uh, Oklahoma State has not played well the last couple of weeks. Uh, these are sometimes the games that surprise you but I'm not going to overthink this one. I like Oklahoma, like the way they're playing, and I think they'll take Bedlam in 2020. So give me the Sooners. I know it doesn't make for a great college football gridiron, but I'm going to agree with you again because this, to me, is is pretty simple. And it's kind of going to go back to what we were just talking about with Indiana and Ohio State. And I don't think that there's a talent disparity the way there is in that game, but you're talking about offense defense. This is an Oklahoma state team that isn't the most explosive offense, although they are getting there and they do have some weapons, Shuba Hubbard in particular on the offensive side of the football, but this is a team that has really made their bones by playing good defense in the big 12. And that's great when you're playing Kansas state and you're playing Iowa state and Kansas and West Virginia and the wins that they have rattled off so far this year. But when they've played a real offense, Texas, they lost. Oklahoma is a real offense. They are going to have a lot of trouble, I think, slowing down that offensive attack led by Spencer Rattler. And you know that you love the play calling that Lincoln Riley has at his disposal and that they're just so well coached. And this is going to be a team that averaging 46 points a game is going to score. I don't know that Oklahoma State can keep up with that type of pace of a game. And it's not to say they're not designed to play that way. They were able to keep up and make it a competitive game against Texas and that game going to overtime. So it's not like they can't score, but I just am not a fan of picking Oklahoma state in a shootout. And I think that that's the type of game that this this is going to be. There's just, you, you don't hold Oklahoma to 28 points. It just doesn't work that way. And the issues that Oklahoma has had throughout the duration of this season, at least at times early, was was the defense. I mean, their defense had kept them in games, but it, it was sort of that combination of things where their offense wasn't as explosive, as explosive as you would like, and the defense is not good enough to bail them out. Their offense is finding a groove, Oklahoma this is, and I think their defense will do enough. Oklahoma State just to me isn't explosive on offense, isn't explosive enough on offense to see them walk away with a win on the road. I'm excited for this one because I think the game's going to be flying around. They're going to be a, a ton of action. but And you never know what's going to happen in these rivalry games. But at the same time, I like Oklahoma over Oklahoma State. And I think Lincoln Riley wins the coaching advantage. I like Mike Gundy too, but I think Lincoln Riley's going to out-chess Mike Gundy as well on the other sideline. Yeah, I think oh, you look at Oklahoma's season, they were one and two entering the Red River rivalry, which was – a tremendous game uh, in the best and worst ways. And you look at them now, the last two games, Oklahoma scored 62. <laughs> that's, that's as good as it gets. And I think this game is also, granted, it's, it's not the typical 
you know, bedlam contest, but it's good experience for Spencer Rattler. A game like this, you know, he's been through the Texas game. Now he'll go through the Oklahoma State game. I think it'll be good for him to have that under his belt going forward. And I think that'll be ultimately uh, beneficial for Oklahoma you know, as they go forward. I mean, you've got a guy who's only a redshirt freshman who's starting to show signs of why he was so highly recruited coming out of high school. And I think, you know, I still think Oklahoma is heading in the right direction. They're not going to make the playoff this year. Nobody from the Big 12 probably is. But, you know, you could use this as a rebuild year slightly and then come back in 21 with a quarterback you feel good about and a team that maybe could compete to, to back into the college football playoff. I agree. I think Oklahoma is headed in a great direction with one of the best coaches in college football. I think that makes a huge difference in when your quarterback is getting there the way Spencer Rattler is. It was a struggle early, no one denying that, but he's getting more comfortable, getting more experience, and I think that's going to make a world of difference for him in a year two and potentially a year three in Lincoln Riley's system and excited to see what comes of Oklahoma football for the rest of this season and going forward. That's it for us today on College Football Gridiron. Don't forget to check us out every week wherever you get your podcast. For Jimmy Sullivan, I'm Nick DeLuca. Enjoy this week in college football, everybody.